Welcome back to our studio where we have a special guest with us today, Toucan Sam from Fruit Loops. Toucan Sam, welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, and um, it's Fruit Loops, just so you know. Uh, fruit? Fruit. Yeah, fruit. No, it's Fruit Loops. The same way you say studio. That's not how we say it. Fruit Loops, find the loopy side. Look, it's, it's just been a really tough few years for everybody. Trump is exhausting. Politics is exhausting. And have so many pent-up emotions. There's so many things like I feel like I just need to get off of my chest. Am I coping or am I just making excuses? If a Democrat wins office, what am I going to tell myself when I get a 10-piece McNuggets at 5 p.m. because the dinner reservation is late and I don't want to be grumpy before the bread comes? The Secretary of the Treasury produced Suicide Squad. What is electable? Joe Biden's eye exploded. What if he actually does nuke the hurricane? What if it works? Here's a question. Here's a question. Are cashews good for you? Also, we are going to regret smoothies. There is no way they're healthy. Is Adam Driver even hot? Now there are Gen Z memes I don't even understand. Is Euphoria what high school is now? Why were there only two seasons of Fleabag? I delete Twitter on my phone and then I log in in Safari. Remember they thought spam would ruin the internet? Turns out it was Nazis. People keep saying this isn't normal, but at some point it has to be normal, right? Star Trek doesn't work if people are just walking around the ship going, holy shit, aliens. Anyway, that's why I'm here. It's all about routine. Like the way you introduce yourself on my drive to work every morning. It just makes me feel happy. I'm not your therapist. Yeah, I know. I know that. You're Michael Barbaro from The Daily. How did you get in here? Oh, I told him I had a scoop, and if it didn't let me in, I was going to give it to Ronan Farrow. You need to get out of here. No, I'm not leaving here until you say those soothing, calming words. I'm Michael Barbaro. And? I'm Michael Barbaro. And this is love it or leave it. What is up, Radio City Music Hall? There has been some kind of mistake. How's it going, first mezzanine? How's it going, second mezzanine? How's that third mezzanine? Fuck the orchestra, right, third mezzanine? Hi, orchestra. (laughs) Thank you. Where's Syosset at? That's a lot. That's a lot. Thank you for making the trip. (laughs) New York City. It is great to be home. Think, Think about what this city has achieved. This city hated Donald Trump so much, it sent him into a narcissistic, emotional spiral so severe It now imperils the entire world. (laughs) 
<laughs> New York did that. That's incredible. If one Upper East Side rich asshole had invited Donald Trump to dinner one time in like 1993, he'd be pitching a reboot of The Apprentice to Apple TV Plus right fucking now. President Hillary Clinton would be in the middle of her impeachment for faxing classified documents to the Hamptons like God wanted. Ruth Bader Ginsburg would be on a beach in Maui right now being fucked to death by liberal lifeguards. Aloha, they would say. And then aloha, they would say. This is exciting. I'm not... I can't believe it. What, a, what an honor that you guys all came out to see this. Thank you. That's all. Three years ago, Donald Trump became the Republican nominee. I know. Yeah, we don't like him. It was a crisis on that day. It has been a crisis every day since. And in the midst of all of that, Taco Bell discontinues the double-decker taco. The thinking man's taco. But it's a metaphor, because some people, they like a crunchy taco. Some people, they like a soft shell taco. But the double-decker taco brings these two groups of people together through the connective power of beans. <laughs> I want you guys to know something. So I was on Colbert last night. It's not a big deal. Chill out, chill out. Unbelievable. And I was feeling pretty good after. It was a live show and I was hungry. So at 1.30 in the morning, I ordered a chicken parmesan sandwich via room service. It's fine. It's fine. And as I'm walking to get the chicken parm sandwich, I stepped on the little door stopper to protect the bathroom door. And I went flying. I ate shit. And I hurt my foot and I smacked my arm. I I think I fucked up my hand, my phone went flying, and I yelled, oh, fuck, ow, fuck, fuck. And then, <laughs> from the bedroom, I hear one of the great investigative reporters <laughs> of his generation, perhaps any generation, say, is everything all right? And it wasn't. The point is, Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow is available for pre-order now. Three years we have been fighting Donald Trump. Three years. It has been exhausting. We've had some big symbolic victories and some even bigger actual losses. <laughs> but we won the House. And we won big races from Arizona to Iowa in red states and blue states and non-conforming states. <laughs> and now we're gearing up for 2020 in the midst of the most important Democratic primary of our lives. This is our chance to pick the person 
who will represent us in the fight to not only defeat Trump, but to defeat the kind of politics that led to Donald Trump. The stakes are total, and our stomachs hurt all the time. We have Pepto-Bismol on our rider. That's not a joke. We don't have a bowl of green M&Ms. Pepto-Bismol and a picture of Chris Evans saying, you got this. <laughs> and the truth is, we don't feel confident in our collective ability to get this right. We fucked up the presidential election last time. So what's going to stop us from fucking it up this time? We are glad when the DNC narrows the field, but then we worry if we miss somebody who might have been the right candidate, not John Delaney, but some of the others. <laughs> so we have been fighting Donald Trump for three years. It's exhausting, but not as hard and not as bad as the genuine pain he is causing for people who his policies hurt every day. And nothing that we have been through so far will be as bad as what it will feel like to have to deal with four more years. 2020 is here. We've got a year of pure, uncut anxiety coming right fucking for us. And I don't think we're totally ready for it. So let's pop a Xanax. Let's carbo load. Let's take a moment to reflect on what's ahead. And then let's get to fucking work. Oh. Should I start the show? Why? I'm alone on stage at Radio City Music Hall. <laughs> all right, all right. We have got an incredible panel for you. She's a correspondent on The Daily Show. Her Comedy Central presents stand-up special premieres on Comedy Central on October 25th. Please welcome Dulce Sloan. How are you? This is like nuts, because I was talking to one of my friends today, and I was like, he's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I got to do a call, then I got to perform a Radio City Music Hall. And he was like, what? Why would you so casually say that? And I was like, oh, no. I guess I didn't think about, I've never been here before. So, I was like, oh, yeah, it's a big thing, but it's kind of like a TARDIS, because it's like, it's bigger on the inside than it is on the Because <laughs> from the outside, it doesn't look like that there's like a small country in this bitch. So... And then you came in on the stage. I didn't know anything about the fancy stage in this fucking elevator situation. There's a lot going on in here. They usually save this for uh, Santa to come up at the uh, end of the Christmas Spectacular. But guess what? No Santa today, just a gay Jew. <laughs> and if there's anything that I'm a fan of, it's Jews. Mm. Hello, hello. Any single men in the audience? No, why would there be? Oh my God. Are there any single men here? Oh, that Liars. was brutal. Liars. <laughs> Liars. There are 35 really pissed significant others right now, you assholes. Apologize. All right, look, we'll delve into all of that in a moment. Uh, <laughs> this isn't a dating thing? Fuck! <laughs> Let's bring out. Our next panelist, he's a comedian, writer, and actor. You know him from The Daily Show, People of Earth, and his own show, Problem Areas, on HBO. Please welcome Wyatt Cenac. How you doing, Wyatt? I'm doing all right. How are you? Are you single? No. Okay. Sorry. Very happy. <laughs> For the 13 people who wooed that they were single. Get into a relationship, it's good. Hey, 
Great hey, advice, boy. Hey, yeah. get into a relationship. Get into, that's what he said to me backstage. Oh, that sucks. Get into a relationship. Yeah. Thank you. I Look, there's enough people here. Look to the left. Look to the right. Kiss one of them. All right. She was the deputy chief of staff to President Obama and the best-selling author of Who Thought This Was a Good Idea. Please welcome Alyssa Mastromonaco. Hi, Alyssa. Hello. Where do you stand on everyone in here who's not in a relationship just fucking? I'm a bit of a prude, so if that happens, I'm just going to, like, look the other way. We'll turn the lights off. That's, oh, then that's yeah. better. Yeah, and if somebody's got a few songs on their phone, we can just hook it up to a microphone here and, yeah. I just remembered that my parents are here. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's get into it. What a week. Last night, there was a presidential debate. Julian Castro faced some criticism for running a Medicare scam on Joe Biden. <laughs> Don't trust people on the phone, seniors. <laughs> All right. Uh, Beto said he was going to put on face paint and break in the homes of every single conservative and take away the only thing that could protect them from 30 to 50 feral hogs. And Kamala Harris lost my vote by making fun of short people. Was the Wizard of Oz a little old man? Yes, he was. He was, he was, little and old. But the point is, he was not a wizard. Had he been tall, the outcome was the same. He did not have hearts, he did not have brains. He was just a man. And everyone in Oz was short. And everyone in Oz was short. Alyssa, I'll start with you. Wasn't the Wizard of Oz just a con man? Yeah. I love a good con. Listen, America loves a good con. That's the whole problem. Alyssa, Rahm Emanuel was on TV right after the debate calling Castro's attack on Biden disqualifying. Is Julian Castro canceled? No, he's not canceled. I mean, people have said worse shit in debates, but it's more like I feel last night nobody's shit was landing. Like, maybe they should have called you if they wanted to make funnies on stage, but, like, we're going... We want serious things. We want to find out what people really think. And people just came. It's like they kept talking about the embarrassment of riches. Their ability for comedy is not an embarrassment in riches. Uh, Dulce, a lot was made of Warren and Biden being on the stage together for the first time but they really barely spoke to one another. Do you think that uh, at some point those two are going to mix it up? This was the first time we had Warren, Biden, center-left, left. Well, it's like all the people that we were going to pay attention to were finally on the same show. Somebody gave Joe Biden a facial, and then he just flipped the hell out. <laughs> like, his skin was looking, like, moisturized. He was yelling at everybody. Because, like, the last two debates, I was like, I don't think Biden is up. And then, as an up, I mean, like, awake. And then, this time, it was kind of like, they've been yelling at me for two damn debates. I'm yelling back. Like, he was finally like, oh, shit, I got to yell. His skin like the, was smooth. His skin was smooth. It was such smooth skin. I was looking at that and being like, that's a good dermatologist. That's Maybe the kind of skin you only get in L.A. That's what I was thinking. That is yeah, some L.A. skin. Yeah, that's some L.A. Skin. skin. That is some L.A. work. That's top notch. That was like, he called Jennifer Aniston and was like, girl, where you get your face done? <laughs> Not that she's ever had work. I just mean like microplaning. 
I like the idea that Joe Biden was just like looking for like going down to like South Central to get some shea butter or something like that. <laughs> just to like really just like, oh yeah, let me soften this shit up. Beto had another big moment of the night. He said he was for a mandatory buyback program. Pundits were pointing out that we can't even get a background check bill done. And yet inside of this debate, these, these candidates are now arguing well beyond what is achievable in this current Senate. Does that give you hope? Does that feel pointless to you? What do you make of it? Uh, none of it gives me hope. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think I'm at this point watching it where I'm just like, eh, like fucking stop fighting on television. Like, go find a room somewhere, figure out, like, okay, you and you will be the ticket, not Joe. Uh, <laughs> but, like, whatever. Like, I, no, but it's, it's this very weird thing where it's like, like, we're still in the part of the Avengers movie where they're all just fucking fighting, thinking that they're the star of this shit. And it's like, let's just be honest. Like, not all of you should be president. And what I would love is if they came out to a debate and they were just like, ah, you know what? Instead of debating each other, we, uh, we're all talking in the green room and it's just gonna be like Warren Booker. And then, uh, hold on, hold on. I'm just, I'm, let me fucking speculate. Don't fucking cheer for imaginary shit. Uh, let me finish my whole fucking scheme here. But they just come out and they're like, we're not going to fucking debate. It'll be like Warren Book or whatever. And then like, let Kamala Harris just run for attorney general. And let her just say like, look, if this all works, I'm going to be attorney general. And here's how I'm a better attorney general than Trump's attorney general. And like, let like Bernie run for like secretary of commerce. And let them all just like, rather than focus on just Trump, it feels like, why not focus on all the other people that he has around him? Let some motherfucker run against Betsy DeVos. Let some motherfucker run against Steve Mnuchin. Like stop, like, stop just focusing on him and just start to pick everybody else apart. If, like, come together like the Avengers and recognize that one of y'all motherfuckers is Hawkeye. You're not, like, you're not, you're is not. Is that who Jeremy Renner plays? Yes. Oh, he creepy. <laughs> he cute, I, but he creepy. And that's like Beto's Hawkeye. Like, yeah. so, I don't know who Buttigieg is. I don't think he knows who he is. No, you think that man has a chance in hell? No, he's got a book deal coming out of this and maybe a talk show. <laughs> Let's just be honest. That motherfucker's not winning shit. He's not. Sorry, Mayor Pete. <laughs> you're not. not. If you, you can't even solve, if you can't even solve police brutality in your own fucking city. You ain't getting president. Shut the fuck up, sit the fuck down, and figure out how you can help the party. Tim Pawlenty was the character who went on a gay date in that one scene with Chris Evans. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, just forgotten. I gotta watch more movies. I don't, I've never seen it. Just, Alyssa. They're, they're yeah. great for an airplane. So this race has been relatively stable. We've seen Biden and then Warren and Sanders right behind and then a bunch of other candidates uh, beneath them. If anything those candidates have lost ground and we've seen sort of a coalescing around these three. Do you see anything right now that can change that dynamic? Because I think what Wyatt is ultimately pointing at is the fact that we've been having these debates again and again. We had the same healthcare debate uh, last night that we had the previous debate and the debate before that, and yet no one seems to be kind of stepping out from their place in the 1%, 2%, 3% of votes. What do you think? The one percenters? 
the one percenters. They no, no. I I personally think it's the three of them, and everybody else should go and. Ocean's Eleven, the cabinet situation, and figure out what post they want, and like go surrogate in states where they will accrue goodwill and can go become attorney general or something. Yeah. But no, I I think that like it's pretty obvious, and I mean I'm gonna get a lot of shit for how I feel about this, but I really want people to drop out sooner rather than later because the debates I think yes. right. I think the debates are still absurd because it's still 10 people on the stage and it's like watching everyone try to get their pre-land, their pre-planned lines that have nothing to do really with actual policy. And like, I know that Beto didn't give you joy, but like Beto gave me joy because he knows that his gun line, like how he feels about guns and saying he's going to go get the AR-15s is not popular, but it's what he believes. You know, the thing that bummed me out after that was, like, Amy Klobuchar moonwalked into the debate, and she's just like, let me tell you how I feel about it in Minnesota. And it's like, no, you should really hate it in Minnesota because nobody uses those guns to hunt animals they intend to eat because those guns blow animals apart. So there is no reason for anybody to have those guns, and it's weird that only Beto is willing to just, like, lay it down. Wyatt. What? Yeah. Question. Sure. Answer. So, Castro's faced some blowback for the way he went after Joe Biden. That said, I watched the debate, and what I saw to me was Joe Biden at his best and Joe Biden as a flawed candidate. I saw good answers from him. He was more energetic. Skin, so smooth. Um, And also just at the end when he talked about loss, when he talked about what motivates him, resilience, I was reminded of what makes Joe Biden a strong candidate beyond name recognition, uh, beyond Barack Obama, uh, that there is a genuine connection to people rooted in the fact that this is a man who has been through a great deal and people can relate to that. At the same time, I saw halting answers. I saw answers that were hard to follow. I saw someone uh, most animated about going after Medicare for all and and, uh, offering, I think, uh, not totally fair critiques of that policy. Castro faces blowback for the way he goes after Joe Biden, but I think that there is still this legitimate question as to whether or not he's up for this race. How should Democrats be talking about Joe Biden's fitness to be the Democratic nominee? Look, there's a part of me that's like, okay, an old white man got us into this mess. Why is it that we're going to put our faith in an old white man to get us out of it? Like, at a time when we're talking about so many things, whether... We're talking about racism, whether we're talking about sexual harassment, whether we're talking about just the amount of issues that exist in this country that have been the impact of white male privilege. Why is it then that, like, you know, when everything started happening, you saw, like, whether it was racism, whether it was sexual harassment, whether all these things, you saw people saying, like, as a white man, I should maybe sit down and listen. And with this, it's like, Maybe sit down and listen. Maybe just fucking sit down. You've done, your, you've done your due diligence. Help somebody else out for the future. Help make the future better by being a consultant. You don't need to fucking lead anymore. Just fucking sit down and help out. This country is changing. The demographics of this country are much more diverse than old white guys. So maybe it's time for old white guys to say, you know what? we should help out and help push other people along. And so that's my feeling on it. No, I was just going to say the one thing I think that, that um, 
Vice President Biden could do is really just figure out, was he in the Oval Office for all the decisions or was he next door? Because you don't get to be for it for the good stuff and then like, I wasn't there for the right. bad stuff. Yeah. That's like, that's the one thing. I'm like, no, you don't get to do that. Like, Yeah, that's shady. Right? Yeah. That was just un- like, yeah, good. And then that, I don't know. It's like he was kind of like Sean Spicer in the bushes for that immigration conversation. <laughs> all right, we, we come back. Okay, stop. Kate, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Love It or Leave It is brought to you by Angels Envy. How can Envy be a motivating force that inspires people? I don't know. I mean, Maybe look at look at Elon Musk. I mean, just you know, <laughs> Envy makes the world go round. Envy and FOMO. That's basically it. That's a ba- yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's, Half, that's capitalism. <laughs> Envy is commonly regarded as a vice, but it can be a good thing. Envy can be a catalyst for creation, Ooh. inspiring the world to raise the bar. Okay. And Angel's Envy is a bourbon that is worth the envy. Oh, I was wondering where we were going with this. Angel's Envy bends the traditional rules of whiskey. It's a little different from all other bourbons out there. This bourbon makes the perfect gift for any occasion. Angel's Envy are the pioneers of secondary finishing in bourbon and one of the first full production urban distilleries in downtown Louisville. With its unique bottle design, Angel's Envy bourbon finished in port barrels is sure to be the envy of any bar cart, too. Look for Angel's Envy bourbon finished in port barrels. Please drink responsibly. Copyright 2024, Angel's Envy, bottled by Louisville Distilling Company, Louisville, Kentucky. And we're back! Now it's time for OK Stop, and to help us with OK Stop, please welcome to the stage from Showtime's Jesus and Marrow, New York's own, Jesus Nice and the Kid Marrow. Thank you for being here, guys. Hey. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up? Yeah. Shout out to all my Bronx people up top, I see you. Yeah. What up? How's it work? We just sit down? We just sit? Yeah. Okay, I bet. Can we curse? Woo. You can do whatever you oh, want. Oh shit, wow. it's fucking lit. This is, I like this crowd. This shit look like a Lizzo concert. Oh, I like Hell this. Yeah. Let's go. Fuck yeah. This shit is dope. Oh, yo, shout out to you in the back and I can't even see you motherfuckers. Yeah. Yeah. Third mezzanine. Third mezzanine. Look at them up there. Yeah. Love the third mezzanine. Let's turn this shit into a Travis concert. Travis Scott concert. Somebody jump off that shit. Don't do it. No, 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 don't, no, no, don't do it. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. So, are you aware how healthcare works in America? No. <laughs> don't encourage stuff like that. It's okay. I'll FaceTime Drake. He'll make it work. He'll make it work for you. You can't do it. You can't do it. Not with Not with Biden care. I'm just kidding. Elbow drop Biden off the top mezzanine. All right. Here's how OK Stop works. We'll roll a clip. And you guys can say, okay, stop at any point to comment. Gotcha. The Pringles man. He loves love. And he loves chips. And he wants to spread those chips to everyone. But what if the Pringles man became enamored of an ideology that believed you could spread chips and democracy through war? National Security Advisor John Bolton was fired this week. (laughs) (laughs) And Fox and Friends had a lot to say about it. Let's watch. Let's watch. The president has just fired his national security advisor. I disagreed strongly with many of his suggestions. So there's that list, Brian. We don't know what's on it, but it's, it's you know, strong okay, and st- Okay, stop. Is this how you fire motherfuckers? People fire motherfuckers via Twitter now? Yeah. That's how we're doing it? He loves to fire people via Twitter. Like, but he can't, but it, it doesn't, it's yeah, not, he doesn't, it's not he Trump, can't do you know. It, he can't do it face to face. Yeah. He got to do it to the tweets. 
but fam, your whole thing like, was like, like you had a TV t- show when you like did that face to face. Like Chrissy Teigen said, your presence is a pussy ass bitch. He's a pussy like, ass bitch. Yeah. Oh man, he uh, <laughs> he got little hands but big Twitter fingers. You know what I mean? He, he turned those teeth from far away. You know what I'm <laughs> he could not fire Rex Tillerson himself. And so uh, John Kelly, the White House chief of staff, had to do it. And Rex Tillerson found out on the toilet. Yeah. Damn. And then uh, John Kelly told everybody that. He got fired while he was taking a shit. I, <laughs> I fired him on the fucking toilet. Damn. But, uh, that would help you, though. If you're taking a shit, like, that would help you pinch it off. You know? Tr- like, oh. <laughs> you're like, all right, we're done here. All fine? It's fucking, I ain't flushing. I'm and I'm not washing my hands. Hold that. I'm going to leave you with that. On the way out, like, it was nice working with yeah. you. Amazing working with you. Yeah. 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 Hit every elevator button. Yeah. From um, the just fired John Bolton saying that, no, it didn't actually play out that way. John I Bolton offered just, to resign last yeah. night, and President Trump said, let's talk about it tomorrow. Okay, wow. stop. Ah! I wow. fucking love wow. that. I love it. I love that John Bolton doesn't give a shit. He was gross before Trump was ever a realistic possibility. Uh-huh. Tr- John Bolton has been disgusting back when Donald Trump was pitching The Apprentice for the very first Way time. Way back in the day. He has been gr- He's he, an early adopter of yeah, disgusting. Hell yeah. He's like, also, shout out to John Bolton right here. He clearly is trying to break up with Donald Trump, but Donald Trump yeah. was like, nah, 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 nah. nah, 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 nah I'm nah, not finding nah, a new apartment. Nah, nah, nah. We're staying together. I'm dumping you. This is my decision. We've grown apart. I fucking dumped you. I dumped you. You. Trump dumped you. Trump dumped Bolton. <laughs> and then Trump said, he was like, wait, I got to get a whole new Netflix? Nah. Uh, nah. Fuck nah. that. Nah. Fuck that. Nah. We had a beautiful algorithm. Come on, there's a ramen spot right underneath our apartment. Why are you being hysterical? Come on, please. <laughs> Texted me. Oh. Just now, he's watching. Can you and read it? He, yeah, he said, uh, let's be clear, I resigned. Okay, and stop. I said, does no one watching Fox News need like the weather or anything? Like, what, this is what they're showing at 9 a.m.? That, just so we understand the world we live in, this is Fox News, the worst thing on television. Yeah. And at the moment, John Bolton, the former national security advisor, and Donald Trump, the president of the United States, are watching it and texting the hosts to get their burns out there. That's Yo, right. stop. Or as we like to say, they're dragging each other. Come yeah. on, oh, they, are, they are dragging each other. This is like is love it? and hip-hop White House style. So, <laughs> Now this is seriously like the driving five. Like, yo, call in. Yo, hit me up on Instagram. Yo, you know what I'm saying? Send in your request shout-outs. They're going to have the director camera, John Bolton. Like, Donald Trump tried to play me at Mama Sushi, but I was not having that. That's right. So I called my friends. This is nice in the Camaro, and we had to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> Just come up like, girl. How you doing? She's trying to play you. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Let's get some more mimosas up here. Some more mimosas, please. Thank you, please, for the table. Thank you. Do you mind if I say that while you were talking? And he wrote, yes. So John Bolton has just told me, texted me, to said, I resigned. Okay. So okay, stop. Answer- so I just want to be clear. That was the making of the reading of the tweet. Yeah. That was him explaining that John Bolton did give him permission to tell everybody that he didn't get fired. He quit. Yo, yo, this season of America is trash. <laughs> this shit is whack. It really is. Like they're like, there's another season. I'm like, they phoned it in. Doing this again, bro. Like, I don't know. Let the junior writers write it. And, Fuck it. Who cares? And like, am I crazy? But didn't they do this exact story 
like three years ago. <laughs> this is ex- I've seen this before. This is what they did with Scaramucci watch. in season two. Yeah, yeah, and that was even faster. That was like one week. One yeah. week. Watch. And so, by the way, it's like you know that John Bolton's not going to last too much in the season. He's too big of a name. Yeah. No, they can't pay that guy for two years. No they way. Can, they got the, the budget? I don't no think way. so. Is it too late so. for John Bolton to go on Dancing with the Stars? It's never, yeah. it's never yeah. too late. Dude, I see him doing a Foxtrot. Like, yeah. Yeah, my man had like a four-episode arc. That was it. This, look, we don't deserve anything, but we do deserve John Bolton and Sean Spicer dancing with one another. To Michael Bolton. To Michael Bolton. To Michael Bolton. (laughs) (laughs) Bang! You know what I'm saying? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead and say it because I do not want to say that. (laughs) (laughs) For all the obvious reasons. (laughs) So John Bolton has just answered the president's tweet uh, by saying, Why why are we doing this? Like, why are we saying, I know why we're doing it. It's a talk show. (laughs) Okay, so I just want to point out that 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 woman came within one neuron firing of a total breakdown. Yeah. (laughs) She was so close to the truth. She was like, why are we doing this? Why am I doing this? Yes. What choices did I make that led me here? How did I get to this place in my life? Was it worth it? Am I happy? <laughs> I am not. I don't belong here. And Who's then just, the I, I, I follow? <laughs> Who should I have not listened to that told me to do this? And then the voice in the back of her head said, girl, you have a mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, stop fucking playing. Right, you want to buy more yellow dresses? You better close your mouth. It's like the bad guy, the bad guy from uh, uh, No Country for Old Men was in her head being like, if every choice led you to this. <laughs> if every choice, I, I can't Javier, do it. I'm Javier Bardem with a funny haircut. <laughs> with a bowl cut in the fucking... That was the worst. Because I was like, I'm not even scared of you, dog. You got to cut your hair with a cereal bowl. Get out of here, Prince Fauntleroy. <laughs> why, why are we seeing this play one against the other almost in terms of, you know, what the narrative is? Is it th- important or is it just that the president has moved on and he's going to hire a new national security advisor? Well, I, mean, I mean, that's the news, right? Well, I put it this way. If anyone leaves a position and you think, okay, you shake hands with the CEO and say, thanks for my time here, and they come out and said, I fired him, or I, let him, I said, I want your resignation, you'd want to correct the record. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any angst. Let me just correct the record. I resigned. That's, that's like if you work at the Gap, though. That's not if yeah. you work. It's not like government shit. Like, I was folding those jeans correctly. I would just like to clear my I'm, name. I'm just letting y'all know. I use the board and all that. Okay. This is, John Bolton is walking out of the Gap just with his arm out. Yeah, like a fucking guy. You clean this fucking shit up. tear up in a puffer vest and shit, uh, mad down everywhere. Everybody sneezing and shit. <laughs> Anarchy. <laughs> Yo, Fox is terrible, dog. I was in the ER and the lady next to me was playing this shit. I was like, stop! I was like, yo, bring me more time loaded. They was like, yo, what's your pain on the one to ten? I'm like, yo, 38! She's playing Hannity! <laughs> Fuck! And that's okay, stop! <laughs> <laughs> guys, give it up for Jesus and Marrow. <laughs> Thank you guys for being Thanks here. For that was man. awesome. When we come back, let's play a game. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Hey, Hotels.com here. Tired of living like a sardine? We know a hotel where you can enjoy the open ocean. Book hotels with ocean views in the Hotels.com app. Find your perfect somewhere. And we're back! The southern border isn't the only place Trump is trying to build a wall 
He's also trying to fence in our hearts. <laughs> We're inundated with sad news and raging news, terrifying news, hurricane nuking news. And honestly, at some point, it makes sense that we turn off our emotions. If you got an electric shock every time you picked up the TV remote, at some point, you'd stop watching TV. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Where's my father at? It would take a while. I see him, I look at him, I can't tell. I just see a face. I think I am. Nope, wave, point, point, point. How many shocks would it take? Take a lot of shocks, 10 shocks. But that's what they want. They want us to get so sick of politics that we turn off and give up, that we stop caring. But one way to stay in the fight is to remember we're in this together. We may experience horrific Trump tweets alone in our beds or online at Chipotle when the person in front of us acts like they've never seen beans before. <laughs> but we're in this together, and we'll prove it tonight in a game we're calling Tweet Emotion. Tweet So annoying. Who out there wants to play the game? Hi, what's your name? Michelle. Michelle? Michelle. How you doing? I'm fantastic. Where, Where are you from? from? Uh, Troy. Upstate. Troy, New York. Yes. Nice. Woo! Here's how it works. On the screen are 30 events of the past three years. <laughs> and I'm going to read you an emotional response. Your job will be to match an event from the screen to the emotional response I'm describing. All right, Michelle? Who's emotional? Who's emotional? Uh, ours, but mine. Ours, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> and if you're listening to this podcast while walking your dog or having sex, you don't need to see what's on screen. <laughs> I regret it. But if you want to see what's on screen, it is my pin tweet. Michelle, are you ready? Yes! <laughs> Question number one Here's the emotion Match it to the event I know I shouldn't take pleasure in others' pain And I don't want our toxic political culture To make me a coarse person But I don't care, this is entertaining and we deserve it hmm. Tillerson fired on toilet? Ah, oh, so close So close, but it's Kellyanne Conway Insulting her husband, George Conway And then trying to retroactively Make it off the record Next emotion. What about the Trump era would lead you to believe that anything would be satisfying? Why shouldn't this be one more disappointment? U.S. pulls out of Paris Climate Accord? No, unfortunately, it was the Game of Thrones finale. Next emotion. Being too cynical and pleasantly surprised is not more sophisticated than being too idealistic and disappointed. I will keep alight a tiny flame of hope in my heart, and I don't care what Twitter says. What do you got? There's so many choices. There are. It's such a hard it's too, game. It's too, it's, this is a really hard game. Yeah, I know. It sucks. You raised your hand, though. I need an answer, Michelle. Democrats win the House? No. It's McCain kills Obamacare repeal. Next question, Michelle. Here's your emotion. Ew, 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 ew. Um, Trump tells Boy Scouts about yacht sex? You got it. That's right. 
Donald Trump at the Boy Scout Jamboree told a story about a fuck yacht. Next emotion. Sometimes the unfairness is so big and complete and final, you don't feel mad. You feel empty. And you turn on the television and the worst people are celebrating, not because they don't see the injustice you see, but because they see it and they fucking love it. And you're reminded of how broken our system is and the people who lead it now. Kavanaugh screams, I like beer. I'll give it to you. It was actually about Gorsuch, but same fucking difference. Next emotion. Oh, you're screaming on the inside too, like all of us, and you couldn't help but project your fear and loneliness through your work, even when that work was meant to evoke love and joy. Good to know. Melania's blood red Christmas tree. You bet. You bet. You got it. Her job was to decorate the White House for Christmas. And because apparently she leads a pretty well unexamined life, she could not help but spill all of her worst feelings onto the walls of that building. It was terrifying and revealing. Final emotion. Honestly, I'd watch that. Trump wants a new hurricane? No. <laughs> it's Melania giving Trudeau so sexy eyes. Michelle from Troy, New York, you've won the game. Thank you for playing. Tweet emotion. When we come back, Stacey Abrams. Kate, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Hi, I'm Erin Ryan, a writer and host of the podcast Hysteria. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco, former White House Deputy Chief of Staff and also a host of Hysteria. And this week, we were asked to talk about Women's History Month. And on behalf of women everywhere, okay, fine. Our show Hysteria is about the way news and culture impacts women in America every week of the year. From the latest on reproductive rights to the ways pop culture handles women's stories. And not just because it's March, okay? We exist the other 11 months of the year, too. What? Don't... <laughs> uh, you heard it here first. Don't even get us started on our exclusive YouTube series, This Fucking Guy, where we try to figure out how the worst people in America got to be so awful. So if you're looking for a pod that's by the ladies and for everyone, make sure to subscribe to Hysteria wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. She's the former minority leader of the Georgia House of Representatives, the former candidate for governor of the great state of Georgia, and the founder and chair of the brand new voting rights organization, Fair Fight. Please welcome Stacey Abrams. Thank you for being here. They love you. Thank you. There are a lot of you here. I know, it's wild. Why weren't you in Georgia last year? Good fucking question. So, Governor, you just yes. launched... <laughs> I'll take it. You just launched Fair Fight 2020. Can you tell us about this initiative and what you're hoping to accomplish? Sure. I believe voter suppression is real. I think it sucks, and I think it's one of the tools that will be used by the Republican Party to thwart the ambition of Americans in November 2020. And so having ruled out some job opportunities, 
I decided that my best contribution... Boo, boo her. I just want to get it out. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> that my contribution would be using what we learned in Georgia to set up in 20 battleground states voter protection teams, basically SWAT teams in every one of those states so that every time voter suppression rears its head, we can beat it down. So, joking aside, there are now two seats, Senate seats up in Georgia, but you made a decision that this is the most important thing you can do in 2020. Can you just tell people why this, why, why running for the Senate to you wasn't the right decision and doing this was? I appreciate and understand in a way most people want me to. <laughs> I know what the Senate is. I know what it does, and I'm going to work as hard as possible to make certain that the right person becomes, in fact, the right two people become the new senators from Georgia. However, thank you. However, I don't want the job. I have been in a legislative body. I think the legislature is an incredibly important role to play. I think the deliberative bodies are necessary. I don't like it. And to stand for senator, you should intend to be there for the next six years, the next 12 years, the next 18 years. That's not what I want to do. I've done that work. I think it's critical work, but I'm really good at setting up organizations and leading them, and that's the work I want to do. So we just had another presidential primary debate this week. There hasn't been a single question about voting rights in any of the debates so far. What is a question on the subject, if you were moderating a presidential debate, that you would ask the Democratic candidates? What are you willing to do to protect the right of Americans to vote in every state and every election? And the answer is that we need to defeat voter suppression. Voter suppression exists in three ways. It is being able to register and stay on the rolls, and that's why it's so critical to note how many states are purging valid voters using pretext and illusion. Number two, it's the ability to cast a ballot. And we have to recognize that since the end, the evisceration of Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, 1,688 precincts have been closed in communities that used to be governed by the Voting Rights Act. Those are people who cannot go and vote near their homes. They have to go across town. It's harder for them to vote. And then it's making sure your ballot is counted, otherwise known as Florida. So, we have to fight voter suppression in all of its forms and in all of the places where it rears its head. So, one thing that, you know, one reason I think it hasn't necessarily come up in these debates is that there's a kind of skittishness in the media on the issue. You know, so much of our election coverage is predicated on a lot of assumptions that these are two equal sides fighting it out on a level playing field. And when that's not true, everybody's kind of words get scrambled. You know, you pointed out that there were enough shenanigans in Georgia based on the evidence to suggest that were voter suppression not a factor, you'd be currently the governor of Georgia. And when you said that, a lot of people in the media said, oh, you sound just like Donald Trump. You're both trying to delegitimize an election, attacking the integrity of election when your actual critique is that our elections don't have enough integrity. How do you fight that kind of false objectivity in this work? How do we get the media to understand that our elections aren't fair and aren't as free as they should be? 
One is we, you know, I've refused to be cowed by the critiques. What they expected was that on the day that I did my non-concession speech, that the very righteous screeds against me would force me to rethink my position and apologize to humanity for having questioned the system. Nuh-uh. Um, but you know, to your point, part of the insidious nature of voter suppression is that it seems like it's user error. Voter suppression used to be very clear. It was dogs and hoses and laws that say you could not vote. What it looks like today are administrative burdens and having your absentee ballot get lost in the mail, closing down early voting places. It makes it look like you made a mistake and not that the system is mistaken. Unlike Donald Trump, who questions the legitimacy of elections based on absolutely no evidence that he has spent three years searching for, voter suppression is real. We know it's real. We have absolute concrete evidence of its existence. But the reality is it is a feature of our democracy. It is not a bug. Our democracy began with voter suppression, and it has continued. And so my, my argument is not with the legal sufficiency of the election in 2018 in Georgia. The laws allowed what happened to happen. My argument is with the law itself that allowed that to be so, and that's what we have to fight. So one aspect of this, though, it goes beyond laws and it goes to our, our relationship as citizens to our government, and, not, and, and, and that's true of citizens who are voting, but also the elected representatives. And it does seem as though one part of this is not just legal, it is that there are many, many people in politics who view winning as more important than democracy, who would rather be elected than elected fairly. Do you view that as a problem that is currently getting worse or, you know, how do we deal with the fact that, you know, just in North Carolina the other day, they waited till a bunch of Democrats were at a 9-11 memorial to cast a vote and they said, well, sorry, you know, you lost. You know, how do you deal with that kind of cultural problem? We have to reclaim the notion of what democracy means. Part of it for me is that, well, thank you. Part of it is that we have to stop thinking about elections as being about candidates. One of the things I say that infuriates the right, but I mean it sincerely, is that in Georgia we won. It's because I didn't see victory simply as me getting across the finish line and getting a title. It was about transforming the electorate and ensuring that people who did not think they mattered in our system believe they could lift their voices up. As long as politicians... Thank you. As, as long as politicians make elections about them, as long as we make winning the only thing, when we make crossing that finish line and getting that crown the only metric, then we are going to continue to lose our democracy because when winning is all that matters, how you win has less and less relevance. My mission is to remind us that it is not about me getting a job. It is about me helping the voices of our people be heard and that's what democracy is. It's giving the people the ability to have their values represented and to select their leaders. And any time we erode that capacity, we are eroding the very democracy we seek to protect. You know, we've been talking a lot about Georgia. You ran an incredible race in Georgia that showed people just how possible it is for a Democrat to win that state. And 
a lot of people are looking at this map and thinking, well, how do we recreate what you did? What uh, can Democrats running in red states or pre-blue states in 2020 learn from what you did? Well, we've just put out a very handy 16-page memo called the Abrams Playbook, available on Google. And it's for this reason. I, I am deeply appreciative of the fact that I got to lead an extraordinary team in what I would say was one of the best campaigns ever run in America because it was run by people who looked like Georgia. But you can try this at home. And what... I don't want people to think is that you have to have a singular person at the top of the ticket in order to be successful. You can win elections by talking to people, by being authentic and honest about your positions. They're not going to agree with everything you say, but they get excited to know that you're willing to tell them the truth. And what our campaign says, or what our playbook says, is invest in everyone, go everywhere, and reject the myths that say that if you talk to people of color, white people won't vote for you. And if you only talk to white people, people of color won't vote for you. You can have it both. You can have both voting. That you can talk to people in rural communities and in suburban communities and in urban communities, and you can build a coalition. But the campaign has to do all of the work. And that's the part that tends to lead to the disconnect. You and I both know there are a lot of great candidates who lose because they run crappy campaigns. And those campaigns that are the most efficient are not the ones who select this group of voters to win. The most efficient campaign is the one that, wins the, that gets the most voters to turn out. And my mission is to say that if you're in a red state or a pre-blue state, that more than likely what you are missing is that you're not talking to the people that you've already written off, people that you say are unlikely voters or non-voters. They're non-voters because you haven't given them something to vote for. They will vote if you give them an opportunity. One last question. You have written multiple novels. I have. Under your nom de plume, Selena Montgomery. Yes, I have. What a name. Here are some of the titles. Never Tell, Hidden Sins, Secrets and Lies, Reckless Deception. Did you realize that those were also names that could be used to describe Republican efforts to suppress the vote? I try to multitask at all times. All right. So we have an announcement tonight. You heard it from Stacey. You're seeing it across the country. Republicans are doing everything they can to suppress the vote in the battleground states we need to win in 2020. That's why Stacey launched Fair Fight 2020, an unprecedented effort to put a full-time voter protection team in all 20 battleground states next year. We know that this works, that discriminatory, anti-democratic laws that make it harder to vote can be overcome with good, local, on-the-ground organizing, exactly what Stacey Abrams intends to do with Fair Fight 2020, and we want to help. Tonight, Vote Save America is announcing a new partnership with Stacey Abrams and Fair Fight to raise the funds she needs to get it done. Our goal is $1 million by November 5th, which is a lot of money to fund teams in the states that will determine control of the presidency, of the Senate, of the House, of our future. If everyone listening goes to votesaveamerica.com slash fight and donates $10, we can do this. I want people out here right now to take out their phones at Radio City 
and go to votesaveamerica.com slash bearfight and put $10 in right now. Shouldn't they, Stacey? They shouldn't. I can see you. Now go to votesaveamerica.com slash bearfight and you're going to donate $10 and you're going to kick us off because raising a million dollars by November 5th is a very heady target and we're a little bit nervous about it. <laughs> what is the overall fundraising goal that you guys the have? The overall goal is $5 million. Uh, we are, to your point, we are actually setting up these teams. They're four-person teams and we are paying for full-time staffers. We're not asking states to do it themselves. We're not waiting until we have a nominee. We are actually going to fund train and staff in all 20 states. We're going to make sure that no matter who the nominee is, by the time that person takes the stage at the convention, we have voter protection teams that have already gone through a primary and are ready to be scaled up and win in the election in November 2020. So, so donate to this effort. We have to pick the right candidate. We have to do everything we can to turn out the vote, to knock on doors, to get people excited for our candidates. But none of it matters if our votes don't count, if people aren't able to go to the poll and make their voices heard. So that's what this fund is about. Show me your phones again. Are you doing it? I'm going to believe you. Do you believe them? I believe them because they wouldn't want to disappoint me again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> votesaveamerica.com slash fight. Guys, give it up for Stacey Abrams for doing this incredible, important work. You've, you'll stay around for a game, I right? You guys want to play a game with Stacey Abrams? When we come back, we'll play a game. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Hi, I'm Erin Ryan, a writer and host of the podcast Hysteria. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco, former White House Deputy Chief of Staff and also a host of Hysteria. And this week, we were asked to talk about Women's History Month. And on behalf of women everywhere, okay, fine. Our show Hysteria is about the way news and culture impacts women in America every week of the year. From the latest on reproductive rights to the ways pop culture handles women's stories. And not just because it's March, okay? We exist the other 11 months of the year, too. What? Don't... <laughs> uh, you heard it here first. Don't even get us started on our exclusive YouTube series, This Fucking Guy, where we try to figure out how the worst people in America got to be so awful. So if you're looking for a pod that's by the ladies and for everyone, make sure to subscribe to Hysteria wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Stacey Abrams has agreed to help me co-host and to play with us. Please welcome back to the stage Alyssa Mastromonaco, Wyatt Sinak, and Dulce Sloan. Hi, team. I donated. I donated. Thank you. Alyssa, we would expect nothing less. See, donated. Thank you Hi. so much. Hi. 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 Hello again. All right. Stacey and I are co-hosting. Okay. Oh, this seems bad. <laughs> Democracy in America. It's a lot like a Star Wars movie. It's based on a really, really cool idea, but it rarely lives up to your expectations. <laughs> what, what? What are we, what are we, we, we we're not going to be honest about the prequels? <laughs> we're not going to be honest about the promise of Star Wars, rarely met? I don't watch enough movies. You know I love Rogue <laughs> One. You we know I love that. Rogue One. 
But that's why we need Fair Fight, and we need it now. And to show us why, it's time for a game we're calling, I think we're going to need a bigger vote. Here's how it works. We're going to ask questions to our panel, and they're going to try to guess the right number, the correct number, without going over Price is Right style. Stacy will ask the question. I will reveal the answer. Are you guys ready? No. I mean, oh. let's see how it goes. What? I don't know. It seems complicated, but we'll get yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, do I, do I have an option? It seems like I'm kind of stuck No, here. you're in. In for a penny. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right, Stacy. Wahoo! Okay. Between 2010 and 2018 in Georgia, lots of voters were purged from the voter rolls. Without going over, how many voters were purged from the rolls in that time period in Georgia? 54,000. I'm going to say 300,001. <laughs> Sweet. It's very yeah. Plinko. Um, 95,000. Wyatt, you got it. Because what? the correct answer is 1.6 million. Oh my. Fuck yeah. I mean, that's terrible. Why am I <laughs> And <happy>? I also... <laughs> Fuck! No, that's horrible, but I win. You win, we lose. Oh, that's what it's like to voter suppress someone. You're probably like, I won! Oh, but I'm a piece of shit. I also want to let you all in on something a little bit behind the scenes, which is the card had incorrect information, and Stacey Abrams corrected the data on stage <laughs> as she read. And, and because she is a consummate professional... She wasn't going to point it out. She just fucking rolled with it and fixed it. That's why. That's why she's Stacey Abrams. <laughs> Question two. Wisconsin passed a voter ID law in 2011, and by 2016, 300,000 voters in the state lacked the requisite ID to cast a ballot. Without going over... By how many voters did Trump win the state of Wisconsin by? One dollar. Ooh, we got a one dollar. One of us had to say it, okay? <laughs> Their price is right rule. Someone had to say one dollar. Someone had to say one dollar. Did all of you, all, they have jobs. They haven't seen the price is right since they were in high school. <laughs> Wyatt, what do you got? 300,001. <laughs> Alyssa? 80,000. Oh, man. It's one dollar. Tulsa, you got it. The correct answer is 27,000. That's right. 300,000 people didn't have the right ID, but Trump won by 27,000. So why are you celebrating? Wait. Say that again? Did y'all catch that math? Did that shit sound wild to you too? <laughs> Isn't that voter fraud? No, it's voter suppression. Wait. Fraud would be confused. if they'd voted anyway. They, but they didn't. got to vote. No. They so didn't vote. 300,000 didn't have the ID, so they weren't allowed to cast a ballot. And Trump only won by 27,000 votes. If those oh. 300,000 people had been allowed to vote the way they were prior to 2011, we would be having a very different conversation today. Yeah, I'd be working on an uncontroversial reboot of Roseanne. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm here to get questions answered. Because <laughs> I feel like a lot of everybody was fucking confused. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. In 2016, Donald Trump won Michigan by just over 13,000 votes. Without going over, how many voters were purged from the voter rolls that very same year? 
42,628. Wyatt? It sounds fun. Sounds good. Do it. You got that. <laughs> exactly to the person. You should run out of here and get every lotto ticket. <laughs> and then give all your winnings to Fair Fight 2020. Yes! I'm going to say uh, 95,000. Alyssa, what do you got? I mean, I'm really tempted for the $1, because I've not been doing well, but I'm going to say 65, would you say? I said 95. 65,000. Wyatt, you've done it again. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Because 400, <laughs> for those listening at home, he has kicked over now two chairs. Very softly, because I don't know if the people at Radio City are going to make me pay for those. <laughs> Four hundred and forty-nine thousand nine hundred and twenty-two voters, or over thirty-four times the number of voters between Trump and Clinton, were purged that year in Michigan. So great job, Wyatt. Yeah. Well, I'm real. Who's hissing? They're hissing. No, no, Michigan. it's a gas leak. Don't worry, it's oh, just okay. a gas leak. <laughs> yeah, it's to help lull everyone into a sleep so that we forget the nightmare we've been living in. And not in a rage. Got it. Let's yeah. go. Am I winning? You're doing so good. Cool, 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 You're cool. You're doing cool. so good. And Joe Biden's skin was so smooth. So smooth. Final like question. Like a Neutrogena commercial. <laughs> Final question. 27 states purge voters using a shared database called Interstate Crosscheck. Since it was created in 2005... Crosscheck has resulted in more than one million voters being purged from the rolls. When Crosscheck flags a voter, what percentage of the time is it an error? Interesting question. Is Facebook what? involved? No, probably in some way. Uh, 60%. 60%. I mean, so it's called Crosscheck? Yes. Sounds like CompStat for voting. Uh, for those of you who know what the fuck CompStat is, yes. it's another thing to be annoyed about. Uh, I'm going to go 93%. 93%. Alyssa, what do you got? 45%. 45%. I mean, the domination by Wyatt is Whoa. truly incredible. None of you are pessimistic enough. I live in the darkness. 99%. <laughs> oh, my God. After North Carolina used cross-check, they were alerted to 35,000 illegal double voters in the state. But when they hired a former FBI agent to track them all down and bring them to justice, the FBI agent found exactly zero double voters from 35,000 to zero. That is how bad the technology is. Can I add one quick thing? Please. So here's why cross-check sucks. In Arizona... Michael Johnson registers to vote. And in Indiana, Michael Johnson registers to vote. Crosscheck then says Michael Johnson is illegally voting in two separate states. 99% of the time, crosscheck is absolutely wrong, and we don't know who the idiot was who actually got caught. Jesus, but take see, the wheel. That's yeah. crazy because my friend, his email is joshjohnson846. You're because they're no 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 no, but that's fucked up. Because my friend's email is Josh Johnson eight forty six. Because there are eight hundred and forty five other Josh Johnsons. 
So that means by that logic that all 846 of them can get purged because they'll say it's a duplicate. Because in 27 states use a system they know is wrong 99% of the time. Now who is the, but I feel like the people who are getting purged look like me. Just checking. You are correct. Okay. Just you. You are correct. Just making sure that white don't, nonsense is doing what white nonsense does. <laughs> don't say you, you cracked it. <laughs> you cracked the case yet again. So I did win. <laughs> don't say, guys. White nonsense. We have the results. Dulce has won the game. Wyatt right behind her in second. <laughs> no. Hey, this is a game about how your vote doesn't get counted. No, no, yeah, yeah. It's so but in a weird way. Oh, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, though. According to the thesis of the game, the theory of the game, Alyssa, you've won the game. <laughs> yeah. Wait, how did, wait. I'm also too optimistic. Welcome to Georgia. Huh? Yeah, welcome to Georgia. She... We got cross-checked. Didn't you figure it you guys out? Got... We got, sorry. We got cross-checked. Oh, white lady. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm sorry. I'm a nice white I lady, I forgot though. the country I live in. All right, everybody. You've all won the game. Guys, give it up. For Alyssa Mastromonaco, Wyatt Sinat, Dulce Sloan, and Stacey Abrams. Support their fight. When we come back, the rail wheel. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Welcome back to our studio where we have a special guest with us today, Toucan Sam from Fruit Loops. Toucan Sam, welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, and um, it's. Fruit Loops, just so you know. Uh, fruit? Fruit. Yeah, fruit. No, it's Fruit Loops. The same way you say studio. That's not how we say it. Fruit Loops, find the loopy side. And we're back. Now it's time for the rant wheel. You know how it works. We spin the wheel and we rant on whatever topic it lands upon. This week on the wheel, we have... (laughs) We have 2020. 2020. 2020. 2020. It's 2020 all around the wheel. Let's spin it. It has landed on 2020. All right. We got to face it. 2020 is going to be rough. This is going to be the biggest fight of our lives, no matter who our nominee is. This isn't Trump who ran for president to goose the apprentice ratings. This is a Trump who fears that if he loses, he might go to jail or something even worse, become a joke. And he controls the Justice Department. He's got Rudy Giuliani skulking around the Ukraine looking for evidence. (laughs) After Trump won, it sort of felt like a death. I think we were all mourning. It wasn't just sad, it wasn't just scary, it wasn't just enraging. There was a kind of dull, empty feeling for a while. But then we went to the funeral, and right when the loss was sinking in, right as we began to grieve, Uncle Moisha popped out of the casket and bit a chunk out of Aunt Ethel's neck, and then Aunt Ethel attacked the rabbi. And we, and we were like, no time to grieve. We're all wearing one kind of pink hat, and Don Cheadle is running a phone bank. 
But like any good zombie movie, at first you're overwhelmed and sad because you saw a zombie child eat a dog. And she was your neighbor's sweet little girl when she was alive. That's the harrowing part of every zombie movie. When the hero sees someone they used to know attack someone else they used to know. But then eventually, you get used to it. Everyone said for so long, this isn't normal. And we said it so often, it became a joke. But when something awful becomes normal, that doesn't mean you accept it as normal forever. But it does mean you stop being surprised and you stop being scared. And you get together with your non-zombie neighbors and you have a party where you tie barbed wire around some baseball bats, metaphorically. The zombie is racism. The zombie is in our hearts. I'm talking about organizing. Here's what I've realized. Trump is normal. It's awful, and it's sad, and it's normal, and that's okay. It's normal that someone like Trump could get 46% of the vote. It is normal that Trump was embraced by the Republican Party. That is normal. It is up to us to change what is normal. In the first part of an apocalypse movie, nobody believes Randy Quaid. They think he's crazy. <laughs> then, in the second act, everybody panics. But then in the third act, Jeff Goldblum gets everybody in a room and he explains computers. And Bill Pullman gives a rousing speech and Will Smith says, welcome to Earth. And that's what we have to do, I guess. <laughs> like Jeff Goldblum, we need to outsmart our opponents. Like Bill Pullman, we have to be more inspiring than our opponents. And like Randy Quaid in Independence Day and in life, we have to get weird and we have to get fucking crazy. Normal? They're normal. McConnell is normal. Fox News is normal. Trump is normal. We're the crazy ones now. We're the ones. They did this to us. They're the normal ones. We're fucked up. They don't know what we're going to do. That's the headspace we need to get into. Randy Quaid with a thick fucking beard, traveling in RV and hiding from the government. That's the mentality we need to bring to this fight. They're a bunch of normal dweebs, and we're out of our fucking minds. That's our show. I want to thank Michael Barbaro, Stacey Abrams, Jesus and Mero, Dulcie Sloan, Wyatt Sinak, Alyssa Mastromonico. I want to thank the incredible crew at Radio City. I want to thank Travis. Elisa, Belinda, and everyone on our team. I want to thank all of you for coming out. Have a great night. Love It or Leave It is a product of Crooked Media. It's written and produced by me, John Lovett, Elisa Gutierrez, Lee Eisenberg, our head writer and Joe Biden supporter, Travis Helwig, and writers Jocelyn Kaufman, Alicia Carroll, and Peter Miller. Bill Lance is our editor, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Jamie Skeel, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast, and to our digital producers, Narmel Konian and Yale Freed, for filming and editing video each week so you can. <laughs>